lane, 15, 10, touchdown, Chargers! Well, it's been a special week here in Indianapolis, Chargers Weekly, as always, joined by Bat Buddy Smith. This is podcast number four of the yes. week. I don't even know how many interviews we've done. A uh, lot. A lot. Yeah. But uh, we'll end it on a high note with Matt Miller and Brett Coleman. Money. Yeah, Brett, uh, partner, uh, partners with us, and the Chargers does an awesome job. So I'm guessing a lot of folks that listen and subscribe to the pod or watch the pod on YouTube are very familiar with his work. If you're not, make sure you follow him. Check out his YouTube channel. There's a reason why he's got 400,000 people that subscribe to it. He does yep. a great job of breaking things down on film. And he, uh, like our friend Lance Zerline from earlier this week, is one where you can throw any name at him uh, that, that might get drafted, including the top 100 undrafted free agents. And Brett's got an answer for you. Uh, knows exactly who you're talking about. Has already done his write-up and his workup on him and uh, has a scouting report. So we're going to – nice thing about, you know, being here is you have so many different – you know, people that are either heavily invested in the draft, and it's what they do. It is their primary focus, like Lance, like Brett. Um, and then you have the people that are on the team side, that are a little more on the NFL side, and kind of talk about fit and transactional, you know, work that the Chargers may have to do to get cap compliant, to trade down, to acquire picks, to build depth, all of those sort of things. Um, in the case of Brett, it's someone that's already done hundreds of hours of work on all of these players and is going to be able to kind of walk you through different rounds and how you can get to certain players and sleepers and this particular gem that can be found there and that's always fun because you know that's your how do I get the a plus 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 on my mock draft and that's kind of what Brett helps us get through great conversation about players that we probably and frankly haven't talked about this week and, and not to this point but we'll, we'll start with Matt Miller all suited up for ESPN yeah. was kind enough to join us and uh, great conversation with him Brett later here's Matt buddy yet another friend of the podcast Matt Miller joins us ESPN's Matt Miller uh, Matt did great work for us during the draft a couple of years ago yeah. and it's a pleasure to have you back, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's still weird to, you know, hear the ESPN after your name. You know, like you dream of it as a little sure. kid, and then when it happens, you're like, wait, what? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is where I work now. That's great. Big fun. You're on TV every day. Yeah. Uh, we love watching, you know, we, we keep an eye on when the articles post. It's the top appreciate 50s, it. the mock drafts, the positional rankings. Matt does it all. And uh, certainly, you know, as, as Chris said, you know, having worked with us, this is kind of some serious sizzle, maybe the most that we've had since 2017 when the Chargers moved to L.A. Yeah, no, really. I, and I think especially since the, the quarterback draft for you yeah. guys, you know, of like, hey, there's what are we doing at the top, you know, to be in, in an early pick. And some I said to you guys off airs, it's so great to have an early pick and have a great quarterback. Like very few people get that <laughs> opportunity to be drafting early, but no. And we've got an all-pro caliber quarterback that we're building around He's young He's, you know, still relatively inexpensive, so you're still in that building window with a great young quarterback, but you have the luxury of not just in the first round, you have the luxury of early picks every in every round. So yeah. it's going to be fun to see how they build this out. That's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I mean, that's what it was, right? He gets hurt. Next thing you know, there's Jamar Chase now right. moving forward. You know, we've asked this, I think, in a variety of different ways, and we will probably will up until draft day, but at number five overall, we, we talk about the flexibility that the Chargers have. Stick and pick, blue chip guy, whether it's a tackle or a wide receiver. Or is there a fourth quarterback in this draft that a team's going to fall in love with and maybe trade with the Chargers? It, so, basically, all eyes are on J.J. McCarthy. Absolutely. Right? Is that the guy that, yeah, that we should be say, talking about? You know, your head coach is going to do a great job of <laughs> running that. He already you has. Know, <laughs> you know, like, this is the best quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I expect we're going to hear a lot more of that out of L.A. of – Hey, this McCarthy kid, somebody better come get him. But 
really, though, someone might need to come up and get him, you know, because not only do you have to – so let's say you're the Atlanta Falcons. You're at eight. You have to worry about someone jumping you if, if that's the guy that you're targeting. You know, if you're the Minnesota Vikings at 11, same thing. You know, the, every team, 11, 12, 13, 14, could draft a quarterback. So you have to have that in your mind of, okay, maybe we have this guy ranked in the teens, which is why I have him number 17 overall. But you have to worry about someone jumping you. And so I do think for Charger fans – Yes, Coach Harbaugh has done a very good job of singing the praise of J.J. McCarthy, who only lost one game for him, by the way, in college. So he was very accomplished there. But also, you know, I know that Harbaugh's convicted about how great J.J. is, but also it wouldn't hurt you guys at all for someone to fall in love with him. Is he going to test well? I, yeah, he's going to test well. It's also great because, uh, you know, he's the only guy, top guy testing. And so you don't have that, that apples-to-apples comparison. Last year, we got to watch C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson throw, like boom, boom, boom. It was like, oh, wow, this is fun. I can compare these yeah. guys. For me, I'm sitting in the stands like this is the greatest thing ever. You know, I get to just watch this play out in front of me. This year, because we don't have Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, or Drake May throwing, it's a big opportunity for J.J. McCarthy to not only say, I'm competitive, unlike those other guys who don't want to do this, which is what I would be saying if I were him, but also I'm, I'm not afraid to spin it. And he, he does have a big arm. He does have good mobility. So I think he's going to impress a lot of people. What about is, – is there – is there another quarterback? I mean, you know, you look at uh, – Bo Nix is certainly accomplished. Yeah. Like, what else What else could maybe throw, you know, this thing, I guess, in the Chargers' favor where that number five pick becomes that value? Is it just that one guy, or could you see yeah. somebody else? I think it's just that one guy. I yeah. like Bo Nix a lot, and I, it's fun because we've watched him play 61 games up to right. this point. He's experienced. He's put everything you need to see on tape. Um, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be like a quote-unquote workout warrior type guy, but he is a good athlete. He does have a good arm. He's a gamer. You know, he's a lights-on type player. So I don't think we could see anything that could potentially push him into that top five. But I can remember saying that about Daniel Jones here, and he went six overall. Right. So crazy things happen when teams need quarterbacks. We always hear from teams, you know, we draft the best player. We draft the best player, regardless mm -hmm. of position. Uh, when you look at the top of this draft class, and obviously you take quarterback out of it with the Chargers, it seems like the best players are these three wide receivers. Absolutely. Is, is that fair to say, even ahead of these maybe four tackles who I think people have in different order? Yeah, I would say, so my number one player, Caleb Williams, take him off the table, right, as you said. Number two is Marvin Harrison Jr., number three, Malik Nevers, number four, Roma Dunze. That's my that's my wow. board is the top four players, you know, and so those receivers are, are great, and you can evaluate them individually. They would all be a number one receiver in almost every draft class, you know, outside of, like, having Jamar Chase, you know, in a draft class or Calvin Johnson. Like, they're that talented of players to where I put a 98 on Marvin Harrison Jr., and I, I even, like, doubted myself. Like, that is a big grade to give a player. Then I turn around and put a 96 on Neighbors and a Dunze. So it's like either I'm just in a great mood this year <laughs> or these guys are really good players. But, you know, I, everyone I talk to kind of says the same thing. Like, gosh, these there's just not a whole lot of holes in their game, and they're ready-made to produce in the NFL as well. Yeah, the you know one of the things that Joe Ortiz said at the you know at the lectern yesterday was it's a deep wide receiver class. And, yeah. You know, Chris and I have been talking about it this whole week. Of I'm reading into that as him saying, I know you want the next Larry Fitzgerald, but it's a deep class. We can still get a guy that is going to contribute to this team in a big way in the second or third round. Is that Absolutely. how you see it too? Yeah, and I think we'll see where the run happens. Um, you know, to that point, a lot of the teams at the back end of the first round need wide receivers. Kansas City as you guys know. Sure. Scary proposition, but they need a wide receiver. Uh, Baltimore is in that mix. They could draft a wide receiver. We'll see what San Francisco does with the uh, soon-to-be-expiring contract for Brandon Ayuk. They could be in that market as well. So it is a deep wide receiver class. 
I'll be very curious to see where the run happens on Thursday night in Detroit. And the guy that you want to watch is Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. If he yeah. goes in the top 15, uh-oh, the A run's, run's happening. Yeah. If he goes maybe like 20s, okay, wait, we've got some talent that's still going to be on the board. So that'll be the domino effect for you guys to watch if wide receiver isn't the first pick. I go back to the draft when the Falcons moved up to get Julio, and it was a big jump up. Um, realizing that all three of these guys are at the top of your board and the depth of the class, could you see a team saying, you know what, I, I like Brian Thomas, I like Franklin, but I really want to get neighbors, or I really want to get Roman Dunze, and I'm going to move up in yeah. order to get him. Basically, is is it just not quarterback at five that somebody could move up and get a get a wide receiver, let's say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, even for New England at three, they have to have those conversations of, hey, you know, maybe we don't want to draft the quarterback here just yet. What about somebody who wants to come up and get a marquee wide receiver? You know, yeah. uh, whomever that might be, you know, whether it's the Giants or the Titans or you know, the New York Jets, we could run down the list of, of teams that have a need at wide receiver. So, absolutely, I think these guys are talented enough. Last year, we saw a team move up to three to draft a defensive end, and they gave up historic value to do that. So, I think when, when teams fall in love with a guy and they identify him as the player, you know, you go get him. And wide receiver has become one of the most important positions in football by virtue of how much they're paid, how impactful they are. So I, I do think you can make an argument for that. You know, and it's uh, it's interesting because you think about what we uh, what many people thought the Texans were going to be, what they end up being, and now you look at what the draft capital that was surrendered. It's a late first rounder, not yeah. You feel a little better, one. right? And and I'm wondering <laughs> if a lot of that was because they looked to the 2024 draft, and if they did in fact say, I don't know if it's a great edge class. Let's get Will Anderson right now. How does that line up this year? Like. The Chargers need to fix that offensive line. Yeah. Is this – I'm not asking – I know it might be way too early to ask about 2025, but it does seem like this is a special year for tackles to get one of those in this first this round. This is especially a special year, especially special, <laughs> uh, for right tackles, which is what you guys need. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes you interested because Joe Alt from Notre Dame and Ola Fashano from Penn State are college left tackles. They could probably play on the right side like a Penesul and be really good. But then you get to that next tier of tackles. They're all right tackles. Uh, Talise Fawaga, Oregon State, only played right tackle. J.C. Latham, Alabama. Marius Mims, Georgia. Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Like, these dudes only played right tackle. So I think that is what's interesting about this class is, yeah, we could see seven tackles go in the first round. What's really notable about that is five of them might be right tackles, whereas normally you would say, you know, like Rashawn Slater, left tackles are going left tackles, Mm -hmm. but that right side has become so valuable. We had Lance on earlier this week, and we talked about just how there's a lot of different opinions on who the best tackle is. Who's the best fit, do you think, for the Chargers when you take into account Rashawn's on the one on the left side already. Yeah. Right tackle, Jim Harbaugh, they want to run the football. Who do you think's the best fit? So I would still say Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Even though he was a college left tackle, he's six foot eight. He's enormous. He could play on the right side and he's not gonna surrender any of that power that you traditionally wanna have. Uh, so I, I think Alt if you stay at five and you say, Okay, we're gonna tackle Jim Harbaugh, we're running the football. I think Joe Alt's the guy. Uh, Fashanu, to me, the run game was where he actually struggled the most this year on tape, which is why he went from someone preseason we were talking about maybe a top five pick. Now it's eh, maybe, you know, that, that range might be 7 to 12 now because of some of the run game problems. Yeah. What, uh, what do you think happens with Brock Bowers? Man, I love if, – if you asked me to just, hey, who are the five best football players in this draft, he would be on that list. But because he's a tight end, he probably comes off the board more in like the 15 range. And I know he was popular to the Chargers in yeah. some mock drafts. Um, and we all know Harbaugh's history with tight ends. Loves him. But – you got, you got to also think about asset management and how much 
you know, you're passing up wide receivers, left tackle or right tackles, pass rushers, corners for a tight end. That's a hard argument to make. And so monetarily, I, monetarily, even. Yeah. yeah. And also like in the importance of the, the position, you know, especially when, you know, Travis Kelsey was not a first round pick. George Kittle was not a first round pick. Mark Andrews, not a first round right. pick. Even Sam Laporta yeah. was not a first round pick. So I think it's easy to look at that spot and say, you know, like I love Brock Bowers, but how, what about Jatavian Sanders from Texas? Are they are they thirty picks different on our board? No, like they're not. They're, the, the the range is not that big. So you would like the value better in the second round than in the first at that position. Corners and edge, I mean, like this Jesse Minter defense, they're going to have to replenish some of these positions. Uh, probably too early to take a corner or an edge player at five. Yeah. If you trade back or maybe early second round, who are some of the corners that you like in that spot? Yeah, so I will say Terry on from Alabama, I love. Like, I've done mock drafts recently where at five I'm like, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, because he's that good. Um, so he's he would be in that mix. But I think when you get into the second round, it's, it's which corners fall is really the important question because I, I think that's what's going to happen is someone like Kamari Lasseter from Georgia could fall, you know, to that range because – Ennis Rakestraw and Quinion Mitchell have pushed themselves up. That's going to slide guys back to where Akuli McKinstry could be available at the top of the second round just because, not because he's done anything wrong, just guys have pushed up ahead of him. You know, it's, it's, we're talking about wide receivers, tackles, quarterbacks. Do you think we're going to see, like, incredible value on the defensive side of the ball just because of how important offense has become and how expensive offense has become? Yeah, you know, like Dallas Turner from Alabama is a really, really good pass rusher. I think in most years we would say, you draft that guy at five and don't worry about it. Now it's he might be there in the teens because of how much teams are loading up on offense, also how much talent there is this right. year on offense. But there could be. You know, we might only see one defensive tackle drafted in the first round. There's going to be great D-tackle value in round two. We might see four edge rushers in the first round. Like, think of what that does, you know, in that value in, in the second round. And linebacker and safety, we will not see a first rounder. <laughs> I feel right. comfortable about. But you need depth at those spots. You know, you need, we don't know what the future is with some of those, you know, veteran players at those positions for you guys. So looking at second round, third round, there's going to be really, really good value in the middle of the defense. Matt, I think one of the hesitations with wide receivers because Quentin Johnson was selected in the first round last year, and you want to make sure that, hey, he can develop. And we're not sure if he's going to be a wide receiver one or two. Yeah. Um, based on what you saw on film and how you evaluated him, what do you think his sophomore season will bring? Do you think he can get his confidence back and Jim Harbaugh can, can do some things to make him effective? Yeah, I hope so. And I also think, you know, having Justin healthy for the whole year is a big part of that as well. You know, going – Going from one quarterback to another is, is significant. That is, that's an adjustment. And so uh, that's my hope. You know, my evaluation of him at TCU was, was a lot of drops. And, and that was my big concern, you know, with him was how is he going to clean up the drops because they, they showed up consistently. And also the fact that, you know, he got quiet against good teams at times, especially down the stretch in their playoff run. So um, I, I think that's just the key. Of, we knew he was a developmental player. Like that was yeah. the word on him. It is making it, making sure you get that confidence back. And having someone like Jim Harbaugh believe in you, I think, is going to help any yeah, young player no who can say, like, hey, I, I was the coach at Michigan. We played you. You know, like, I, I've seen what you can do. Let's let's figure out how to get that guy back. Well, you're busy. Uh, we know it. We certainly appreciate you you stopping by. Maybe we'll have a return engagement when we can get into fullbacks because I think we need I love fullbacks. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, anytime you guys need me to come to L.A., I will make that sacrifice. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And, and come and, and sit on the beach and we can talk football. Exactly. Yeah. Open we'll invitation, Matt Miller. Right. Thank yep. you so much, appreciate man. Appreciate it. Another friend of the show, Brett Coleman, who does great work for the Chargers, the NFL, and just the league in general, man. It's good to see you at the Combine. Yeah, this is my first one, believe it or not. Is it really? Yeah. I, I had no idea what 
what this whole week was. All right, so what did you do last night? Why did we start there? Uh, of course, high velocity. That's the spot to be. It's kind of like this bar is attached to JW Marriott. And then uh, everybody just seems to end up at Prime right. every single night. And so I ended up there uh, just to see the mass of humanity. And yeah, it's a nightmare. It, name somebody in the NFL, and they're probably there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> until 3 a.m. Because this thing now that uh, the NFL has been kind enough to push everything back, you know, we used to have to get here at like 6 a.m., oh, and man. stuff would get rolling at 8, 9, now that everything's in prime time and it starts at 3 o'clock. I mean, prime is just – It must be it, awesome. Oh, you know, yeah. Also, if you stay it till should four, do events at prime. Events should be done at prime. Completely, <laughs> <Yeah>. completely <laughs> change the game. It is – it's funny, though, Brett, as someone, you know, you, you obviously are, are ready for the draft already. You're ready for the combine. You've broken down a, a million of these prospects. Um, it's interesting that the coaches aren't there yet. They're still uh-huh. – like, they are still in warm-up mode. Hey, we're just getting to know who these players are. It's it's interesting how this is all of the preparation that scouts and front offices have done for the last six months, and the coaches are now just getting their first introduction to all of these players that will probably have their fortunes, their future fortunes in their hands. I think the best teams at drafting – are the ones who handle that kind of second wave of opinions the best where you know these, these scouts are not just working on these guys for all of last season but you know when they're freshmen when they're yeah. sophomores you know even <laughs> at this point through multiple transfers you know like they're yeah. doing cross checks for years on these kids and then the coaches kind of sometimes get in the process in the last six months and the teams that are most successful are the ones that can marry all the work that was done over the last few years with the coaches coming in and saying but I prefer this for this spot, and here's why. And it, the coaching staffs that are able to translate what they want better to the scouting staffs are the ones who draft the best because the scouting staffs, the scouting staffs, and then like go through all their notes and 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 kind of be like, okay, well, if you need this exact skill set, this is actually the guy we want in the third round instead of the one in the first round. Then we can kind of come up with like a better package of players that fit what our coaches need. The Chargers, I think, are actually in a very unique position because. Jim knows yeah, all these scouting kids, you know, yeah. these guys. He was working the portal, like he's recruiting these guys. You know, he's 18 kids here from Michigan. So, like, I think the Chargers have a potential to kind of pull like an early 2010 Seahawks, where, right. where Pete came in, right? And he knew all these kids, and you know, he took Earl Thomas over Taylor Mays. We just, we just talking, had that conversation funny. like 10 <laughs> minutes ago. It, but like, that's that's real, right? That's real. And so, it, it, Jim's one of the few head coaches in the NFL now that is not just coming into this class right now. He's He's been on this class since before they were even in college. So uh, the Chargers have an opportunity here, and I think they will ultimately uh, have a phenomenal draft just because they have that institutional base that nobody else does. We get so hung up on five for good reason. I, I think a lot of our conversation starts with what are the Chargers going to do at five, and I, I think there's a split among fans. Uh, some fans say, like, hey, we don't need a receiver. We just drafted one in the first round. We have Keenan Allen. Mike Williams for now, you know, we'll figure out what happens with the cap. But can you just kind of put into context why we're talking about the wide receivers at five? Because those are the best players overall, I think, in this draft. You know, defensive tackle is something I think we need to talk about uh, among Chargers fans. Corner, a, a number of different positions. But the reason we're so hung up on the wide receivers at five is because those are the best players in this draft. They are. Well, like, full stop there. I mean, obviously, Marvin Jr. is incredible, and, and Rome is amazing, and obviously Malik Neighbors. I would even I would consider Brock Bowers in that kind of tier of just pass catcher. We're just talking about weapons, yeah. right? But at the same time, I think 
a pitfall that snuck up on me. I don't know. I can't speak for you guys, but at least it snuck up on me over the last couple of years where, you know, we go into every year and we're like, oh, man, I really like this Chargers roster. They got a, a top tier quarterback. They got left tackle when the receivers are healthy. You know, we like the receiver. We like all the weapons. Right. Uh, they got a pass rushing trio that we like. So you got the meat and potatoes, but you don't have the veggies. Like the rest of the roster was just it, it was not deep enough to sustain through the rigors of an NFL season. And I think if you're looking at what to do at five, yes, you could get another pass catcher, and that would make us all feel good. And, you know, it would be, be awesome to go through highlights and just get excited about that. Is it going to help you stop Isaiah Pacheco in December? You know, is it going to help you uh, try to cover Devontae Adams? Like, it, probably not. And that's kind of what the actual problems are. Not to mention, like, this is a team that's going to be going, that's going to be making a lot of financial decisions over the next couple weeks, they need picks. They need cheap talent. Right. They need a volume of talent, kind of similar to what, we, what we've seen with other teams where you know, like we saw Indy have like 14 picks last year. You know, we saw the Rams have 14 picks. Like that's what the Chargers need. They need picks. They need guys because one guy is not going to fix everything. And I, ultimately that's why I advocate for a trade down. Honestly, the, the Holy Grail scenario is a double trade down. Where like, hey, let's say a quarterback sitting there at five, we ransom him off to Atlanta. Okay, we got JJ McCarthy sitting there at eight, and I know, I know, I know right. Jim's loves JJ McCarthy, so he knows that teams are going to yeah. want JJ. So you're thinking Jaden slips to five? If Jaden, if Jaden slips to five, right. trade down. Jackpot. I mean, that's JJ's a jackpot at eight. Scenario. Trade down again to like yeah. eleven. Just get picks. Do you think Jaden slips to five though? Like, I, I don't think Washington can afford not selecting a quarterback. I so I. If I had to guess, and again, I have no inside knowledge on this, quarterback at one, quarterback at two, and then Marvin is just so good. Yeah. I think he goes three, and then Arizona is going to be open for business at four. Right. But that could be Drake May territory. It, it, it could be. Or, J, I mean, any of the top three quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, one's going to be Caleb. But, like, I, I think Arizona is going to be open for business, and I think the Chargers are going to be open for business because both teams just need picks right. really badly. I just can't envision him making it to five. I think that's the, the thing. Like, I get what you're saying, that New England could just feel like this is Larry Fitzgerald part two. It's Marvin Harrison. Think about what he meant to that mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. So we'll take him. But then I would just assume if you're Arizona, you probably want to trade down, right, to take advantage of it. I, I would – Unless they have just an astronomical grade on on, on, or on, on any of these receivers, yeah, which they might, yeah, they might, you know, uh, because these guys are better than <laughs> you know than I, most receivers that have come out. The, yeah. the thing, and, and this is the first time we brought it up third day, but I think you just you phrased it so perfectly, Brett. It it kind of made it click for me. The, the reason why you want to trade down repeatedly with this particular team right now is. Just look what they did at Michigan. You're talking about, Mm -hmm. and look, I'm not saying they weren't getting a top 20 class, but they're not Ohio State. They're not Alabama. They're taking a lot of three-star kids, and they got 18 of them here. This is a staff that knows how to develop. So Mm -hmm. you want more fourths, more fifths, more sixths because of how good they are. Those are still four-star kids. They're getting drafted into the NFL and just how good they were at developing talents. Didn't really click until you just said that, like, hey, Get 10, 12 yeah. picks because this coaching staff is incredible. Ben Herbert is incredible at turning three stars into five stars by the time he's done with them. Not to mention, like, we had the conversation about, hey, this coaching staff knows this draft class better than anybody else. Right. Why not weaponize that? 
why not let them? This is the year to do it. This is the year to do it. They know all these guys. So the hit rate, if, if we go for a high-volume strategy, the hit rate for the Chargers will be higher than any team in the NFL that tries to do the same thing because they know all these guys. So use that to the advantage. You know, go go get – uh, you know, a pass rusher out of Colorado State named Mo Camaro, who's second in pressures in the entire college football. Like, you can you can get him in the third round. And they know this guy. Right. They've seen him for years. Like, they, they recruited him. So, like, that's that's what I'm advocating for. Like, you want as many second and third round picks in this class as you can possibly get. And I think they're going to try to do that. Defensively, let's go back to the just the lines, right? Because w- when Minter was at Michigan, he had Hutchinson, Ajabo one year, and then those guys leave. And then they really relied on guys like Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins. When you look at the Chargers line now, we don't know what's going to happen with Joey and Khalil. We know mm-hmm. Thule's in tow. Um, defensive tackle is kind of bare right now in, in terms of, like, top-level starters. Mm-hmm. How do you attack that position both in free agency and the draft? Because there's, there's some good defensive tackles in this draft, but it's just not as top-heavy as I think in, in past years. I, I think for – once you get past, like, the first five or six guys – you know, it, it, it there is a there is a drop off, right? I mean, the top five to six we like a lot. Like Byron Murphy is super explosive. Uh, Newton's not going to work out, but like he's a freak. Um, it, but once you get past that, there is a shelf, and there's only so many guys in like the third to fifth round range that that you feel good about. By the way, Christian Boyd, Northern Iowa, keep an eye on him. Okay. He's not here at the combine. He was at Shrine Bowl. He was one of the best players on the field, and like every team was. Hold on, who's that, right? Uh, so, but he's like the only one in that range. He, he's like the only one where, it, hey, if we miss out on the top, we can come back. And so, I kind of feel like that's one of the position groups where we use free agency for other stuff and we use draft for defensive tackle because if we're going to hit it, we got to hit it early. We won't have a second chance. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know what it is about those players that we always have this. You know, he's going to go on the third round. I remember when Teron Armstead lit up the combine mm-hmm. and everyone said, oh, wow, that guy just worked himself into the third round. It's like if everybody's decided he's going in the third round, draft him in the second. If, if everybody decided that Manhurts is going to be this great interior lineman, draft him at the back end of the first. Or they, like, that's, it always surprises me that we have these conversations about these players. We attach around. Cooper Cup was tied to the Rams in, like, the third or fourth uh-huh. round forever. Go take them in the second. Like, it, I, I don't understand how we these guys get stuck with these labels and everyone just lets them sit there, and then five years later we say, why wasn't that guy taken in the first round? Everybody had a high grade on him. It's the weirdest thing. You know what it is? It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it's basically like a curve of how much you know directly impacts your confidence in how much you know. And then so you kind of start out super confident when you first know something, and then you start to – know a little bit more than you realize how little you know and then you become like a master towards the end but you still don't have any confidence and I, I feel like when it comes to the draft we all we all have that where we start out it's like oh I don't know just draft all the good players right right and then you kind of get to the bottom of the curve and you're trying to do like value hunting and it's like oh no I have to wait 20 more picks to get this guy to match up with you know whatever the numbers tell me is value for a right. certain position group. my PFF grade will be too low if I take him here and, and then you bomb and then eventually you get back you know maybe just draft the good players right. like it, yeah we all end where we start and I'm at that point now where it's like hey if a dude pops on film and he tests really well and he interviews very well, he's probably going to be a good player. Yeah, <laughs> Just draft him and figure it yeah. out. Like Lance brought it up yesterday. 
uh, about the center at Penn State. He's like, oh, this guy's going to go in the fourth, fifth he's round. Awesome. And he's, I was like, well, why is he going in the fourth or fifth round? <laughs> yeah. if, if you're telling me he's destroying Newton in their game and just threw him around like a rag doll, well, then maybe he should go in the second round. And you know, guy, you look at the rankings, he's not even like in the top ten of centers in, in, a, in a lot of – you know, analyst rankings. It's just it's just funny how things change. Opinions are very different, and then it's going to be like that all the way up until the draft. The exact same thing happened with the same position at the same school last year with Juice Scruggs where he went yeah. to the Shrine Bowl, and everybody's like, I, I don't really know much about Juice Scruggs. And, like, we interviewed him uh, on our podcast, and he's incredibly smart. And then he, went, you know, he tested out of his mind because, of course, he's Penn State. And then he goes in the second round. And everybody's right. like, where'd that come from? And it's like, because he's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what happens. Brett, I saw that you just had, uh, I think, a video on Brian Thomas from LSU. Uh-huh. 17 touchdowns last year, so his production was insane. We've talked so much about the, the guys up top, but um, another name that we haven't talked about, Lad McConkie. He oh, gets, yeah. He gets <laughs> a, uh, he's getting a lot of love as well, and maybe he's in that early second range. I don't know, late first, who knows. I think he's firmly in play for, like, the first five picks of – of day two like he's going to be one of the right. names where the night after day one you know how there's always like a scramble of like people trying to reposition everything like that he's going to be one of the names that i think people reposition for because yes this is a very good receiver class but as far as just separators like if you need just somebody who's going to get open like hey it's third and seven we're seeing one rat the new put, keenan allen yeah put up or shut up go get open right that's him. And and there's not as many of those in this class as you think, right? There's a bunch of height, weight, speed guys. Like, there's post-up guys. There's yak machines like Malachi Corley. But in terms of just, hey, it's man coverage. Go get open. He's one of, like, five that I feel good about in this feels class. feels like it's McConkie and Wilson are the two that, that everybody is sort of talking about as the – Go get open. Next, <laughs> which, to me, I feel like as expensive as wide receivers are – and, and we, I can't remember who we were talking about it with yesterday, but just kind of like, where's the run? That there, you could end up, maybe they're not going to be there on day two, that, that you could just end up having that back end of the first round run or in that 20s like we had last year, right, where it went Smith and Jigba, Johnston, Flowers and Addison. Like when the run comes for that, it just feels yeah. like that's a position where there's always a run. I'll give you a couple names for down the board. Um, guys that I think would be good complementary weapons for what the Chargers have right now. Uh, Malik Washington, receiver out of Virginia. He's a transfer in this last year. Over 1,400 yards, led the nation in almost everything. Uh, he is a monster. He's like 5'9", 195, so he's going to dip just because of size. But, right. like, I say short but not small. Like, he's rocked up. He's physical. Right. He's great after the catch. He's a, I, again, talked to him for 15, 20 minutes just going through film, talking ball. He's super smart. Uh, very well-trained. He's a pro's pro already. Like, he checks so many boxes. He just happens to be 5'9". And so he's going to go somewhere again in probably the third to fourth range. But he's going to play for eight years, right. and he's going to be a fan favorite because it, it, he's one of those guys where, hey, it's third and seven. Go get open. Right. Like, he's going to get open. Right. What about speed guys? Like, you know, oh, there's a lot. So, you know, I think that's been the biggest – I think issue that, you know, when fans watch the team, it's like, okay, well, you know, Mike was hurt, and then Jalen Guyton got hurt, and, you know, there were so many speed guys on this team. Darius Davis, but, you know, we didn't really use him Mm -hmm. in that role. Uh, Who are some guys who could just stretch the field and really maximize Justin's arm? Uh, Roman Wilson, I think, is going to roll, I'd say, sub 4-4. Wow. Um, Taj Washington, the other Washington from USC, uh, I – love that kid again he's he's a smaller frame but i think he's gonna end up being like a taylor gabriel type 
you right. know, where it's like he, he's the number three where if you need a chunk, he can get a chunk. Uh, great contested catcher, by the way, for his size. Like over 60% contested catch rate for a guy. His frame is not normal. Great tracker of the ball. Again, very smart. Um, I think Justin and him would get along very well and develop chemistry very well because he played with somebody, with Caleb, who had similar arm talent where especially deep down the field, it's more about reading safeties and running to a spot than it is about running a route how it's drawn up. And he's, he's very smart post-snap in terms of understanding right. where to get and reading a safety the same way as quarterbacks can read a safety. And he's just really good at it. It's, it's interesting. And, you know, we're, we're asking so many wide receiver questions because that's what we get peppered with. And I get it. Yeah. You have Justin Herbert. You want to see – you want to maximize that arm talent and that brain and that processor. But at the same time, like, I like Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer's a good receiver. I, I love him. And it's yeah. – so, like, for me, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, maybe new coaching staff. Let's let's use Quentin the right way. Mm-hmm. It sounds – sure as heck sounds like they're bringing Keenan back. I mean, if they didn't, it would be an incredible surprise based on what all the coaches have I'd, said. I'd be stunned. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and I don't know what happens with Mike because of the injury and what's available out there for him. If you can have a conversation with him and the agents and try to see if you mm-hmm. can make that work because I can't imagine if they cut him loose what that market would look like. So, to me, I'm like – they need tight ends, they need running backs, they need O-line, they need D-line. But the two positions, like the one position that we are not talking about nearly enough, they need corners, man. Oh, this team man. needs corners for days. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, it's too bad there isn't a sauce gardener or something like that at the top of the draft because then you'd feel comfortable of, okay, well, they couldn't get the haul at five, but premium position, premium player, perfect match, let's go. And that's just not the case this year. Mm-mm. They're going to be heavily linked to Terry and Arnold. Right. He's on the fringe, right, I of, of being in that top ten conversation? Everybody loves him in the first round. When you talk to different people, they all have different opinions about how high in the first round. Ultra talented, you know, I, he will go somewhere in the top 20. I just don't know exactly how high. But because of the, the positional need and the fact that, like, clearly he is a first-round talent, they are going to be heavily linked to him. But – if they go a different direction, let's say they go tackle, let's say they do that double trade down Holy Grail and they get like Bowers at 11, right? But they still have to address corner. The one that I am honed in on for uh, the Chargers, ideally early on day two, because I think there's no way he goes late on day two, Renardo Green, Florida State, one of the best press man corners in all of college football. Uh, he went up against Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. In the, in the first week and allowed combined on, I think it was 40 press coverage snaps against both of them. He allowed two catches for 20 yards wow. against two guys that are going to go in the top 15. Right. He's phenomenal. He reminds me a lot of Jonathan Joseph. Line him up in man coverage and just let him do his thing for an entire day, which is what they need. Right. Like, truly, they need a boundary press man corner. He doesn't get talked, uh, talked enough about at all. Uh, I think he's a lock for top 50. I would love him in L.A. Just doing this exercise with you, it just makes you realize how many needs there are on this team mm-hmm. in terms of just depth, right? And we lock in on one of the one or two positions. And I think that every exercise that we have, it's like, okay, if you get if you get a Dunze at five and then you turn around and you get Powers Johnson in the second round, like that's a good job. But hold on. Now you need a corner defensive tackle. So mm-hmm. where is that coming from? So I guess my last question to you is knowing that they're not going to have a ton of money to spend a free agency, what are some potential discounts that you think are out there that make sense for a Jim Harbaugh team? For, like, free agents? Yeah. Oh, man. See, the corner market's about to get reset. 
in a nasty way. Yeah. <laughs> like, Lejarius is going to get paid. Jalen yeah. Johnson is going to get paid. And we already went down that road with J.C. Jackson. Yeah. it's <laughs> Still paying him. Yeah. <laughs> we got an $18 million corner on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like because the mark like, – you remember when Christian Kirk got paid, and then all of a sudden every receiver was making $10 million more right. than they were the year before? I think it's about to happen with corner, which is why I think, if anything, corner is what you draft. Right. Because with the slotted contracts in the draft, corner is about to, about to be one of those positions, probably one of the top three positions in the NFL, where value for rookie contract is at a premium. I think tight end, you can still work fairly cheaply in free agency. Uh, I feel like defensive tackle is something that, again, depending on the role, if you're looking for a nose, if you're looking for a three, you might be able to either trade for a guy whose uh, a team is trying to, to fix their own cap and so they're jettisoning. Uh, you can either trade for a guy or you can try to find like a mercenary deal, right. like a one-year thing. Um, corner is not something I think is going to that is going to be reasonable financially to fix in free agency because of what the market's going to yeah. do. Yeah. So th- that's – I feel very confident they're going to draft one of the first two rounds because the money just makes too much sense. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and, and I get it. I, I, I think, you know, we all are a product of our experiences. And when the Chargers drafted Zion, I was like, okay, I get it. Tom was in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. They never addressed offensive line. Andrew Luck got his block knocked off, and it affected the team considerably. So do whatever you can to make sure the front's for it. But at the same time, it's like you got Trent McDuffie sitting right there. Corner is a premium position. Yeah. So that's – I mean, in, in all your research, Brett, is that a fair assessment that the teams that are best at drafting almost always draft premium positions with their first maybe two picks? It's always O-line, corner, it's that. And then we'll find our guard, our linebackers, our safeties toward the back end because it just it feels like maybe I'm crazy, but I just feel like the grades are so much closer at those positions that yeah. – the guy you're, you're great on a guy in the fourth round at linebacker is probably very similar to a guy that's going in the first round. I mean, I, I the NFL is littered with third round guards that made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's just, it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah. But like corners, one of those spots, and again, not to go too heavy on the financials, but that's one of those spots where you can get you know dollars for production, crazy value. Receiver, quarterback, I would even say uh, left tackle, yeah. right, uh, edge rusher. And those are the teams that are successful. Like, it's not – the premium positions are premium because of the finances right. behind it. Uh, and so I, I, I struggle to believe they're going to move away from that model that has been very successful around the league of, hey, draft, premium, draft the best players at premium positions, figure out everything else in a financially responsible way, weaponize the fact that your coaches know this class so they know which guys to take and which guys to avoid. And then within two years, everything's cleaned up financially. You have a deep, talented roster. You have one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. We can go on a real run. Like, they're going to be fine. It's going to take a couple years, but they're going to be fine. And I just want Chargers fans to realize that the best days are still ahead. You can be confident in that, but they're going to have to do it the right way. It's a good way to end it. Well, I'm going to end it with this. All right. Because when we have someone that knows as much about the draft as, as Brett, it's it's fun to, to do this exercise. Um, you have to take a Michigan player. Okay. You will take him where you have him slotted in that round. So you're okay. going to maximize value of I'm going to get this guy in this round for this team with this coaching staff. Which, which one would you take? Which one do you think is maximized for, you know, talent plus round value? And give us offense and defense. Ooh, offense and defense. Okay. Um, 
Chris Jenkins. Okay. I would say is a do-it-all. Ah, he's probably going to go third round, I would say. Uh, and I would feel comfortable there. Um, a, a do-it-all defensive lineman who he's he's played at a variety of different sizes. Between do you think he'll be in the third after this, after he puts on a show here? Oh, that's true. He is about to blow yeah. up today. He's, he's going to put this place uh, on notice. But, hey, again, holy grail trade down. <laughs> we go. have a late two. We're there in business, right? But I, I love Chris Jenkins. I think he he's somebody who you could do some – just unholy things with him and Thule, moving them both around, All playing off of yeah. each other. Uh, so on defense, and then uh, on offense, Cornelius Johnson, <laughs> Michigan receiver, probably going to go somewhere midday three, I would say sixth round. Uh, he is a sleeper profile that reminds me a lot of another Michigan receiver, Nico Collins. Okay. 6'3", 4'4", speed, very athletic. He played a role, and everybody, everybody on that Michigan offense played a role uh, that, that did not did not give them the best box score. But when you throw in the tape, you're like, boy, he gets open a lot. You know, he, he was their leading receiver by a mile on first and second down. Roman Wilson did a lot of the third down work. But in terms of, you know, heavy play action, take a shot down the field, like here's a, here's a big dude that runs really fast and also is a very good route runner and he catches everything. Mike. Love that. Great contested catcher and also yeah. just a great kid. Great kid. Love talking to him. Cornelius Johnson, I think, if – if we're doing the receiver thing. Right. Hey, sixth round, let's go. And this is the staff that's going to do it yeah. because they know him. Yeah. Like you said, holy grail, you have all these picks. Don't worry about receiver five. Mm-hmm. And then get guys like Cornelius Johnson and six. Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to look up and he's going to have 40 catches for like 700 yards and be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Exactly. <laughs> it's Justin Herbert's quarterback. Yeah. I'll take it. Brett, uh, awesome stuff, man. We know you're a busy man. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. You guys too. So, Muddy, what a week. Uh, so many great opinions, and y- you learn so much about the draft and the combine and some players that, frankly, we haven't talked about. Yeah, you know what I learned? I learned you can't pour a vitamin C booster into a Celsius or else it'll explode like you dropped a mento <laughs> who into did, a Pepsi. Who, 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 who did that? Our man B. <laughs> Our man Brian decided to, to drop a little. Was, was feeling the effects maybe of a, a little bit of a late night there at the Kilroy's for the, I don't know, third night in a row and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get one of these great Celsius drinks and I'm going to put some vitamin C in it and then I'm going to watch it explode <laughs> all over like the place. Pop, it's like Pop Rocks. Yeah, it's like, like Pop Rocks <laughs> into a soda. So that's, if you're asking me what was my top takeaway from the week, that's it. There don't was a, there don't was a, put a vitamin C booster in anything but a bottle of water. There was a Pedialyte situation earlier this week, too. Pedialyte. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we had, we had a lot of, lot of good action here in town, along with our great football analysis. You know, I think. We I could mean, do a fifth pod on everything around the combine well, and draft. We've already, we've already called out Carly, and we've already. We haven't made mention of Tyler, who's, who's probably. He's giving us the stink guy right now. I mean, Tyler's a warrior. He's 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 someone who's gonna. If you ask me, I got to put my money on one that's gonna be able to power through like the one a.m. and everyone's like, "Hey, should we call the Uber?" Yeah. Tyler's like, "Nah, let's yeah. let's, let's let's get one more yeah. round." After like the bar after the barbecue tonight, exactly. Tyler. I think if I could, it's gonna go late rounds. Whether or not this stuff gets edited out because Brian's in charge of it anyway, and I'm guessing it might. But if it doesn't, <laughs> let me just make my case. I think this group needs to be sent to Detroit. I think they should be sent to Detroit for the draft. I think they should spend some time out there. And uh, I think Monday you got to get out there 
get the land, get the landscape, get the lay of the land. You know, work your way through a lot of the prospects, and uh, you know, spend some, some time, do some food tours, restaurants. And you I know. would say do something similar that they did to here. Find a nice house, find a nice house right there <laughs> in the city, and, uh, and really get after it. <laughs> That's what my takeaway is. It's a lot of inside, uh, a lot of inside baseball. Pardon the sort of this pun. Is, this, but, is, uh, this is where we're at because we're at the end of the week. Exactly. Right? It's the end of the week. And, but it was a great week, and we appreciate all of you. Uh, a lot of action around the pods, and that's why we were able to come out here and do this and and get to visit with a lot of our friends that we typically see between, you know, on our computer screens and not in person. It's always good to kind of catch up and, and grin and grip and, and hang out with it, people. And it's important for us to, to get you guys as much information as possible, man. We, we know uh, how much you love the Chargers and just to get different opinions from all around the country, different analysts, and names to know as we get closer and closer to late April. Yeah. So that'll do it. Anything else? I think next year as I'm looking around and I see all the step and repeats for the for all that, which is for those of you that don't know the, the term, it's the curtain that goes behind you that, that you have as a backdrop with your logo or your sponsor. I think if I could if I could make the the pitch to the Chargers next year, can we get a step and repeat? And I'd like it to be just a portrait of Dave drinking the Pedialyte Max. <laughs> that's what I would like. That that I think a would silhouette. be the appropriate a step silhouette. and repeat. That's, that's what I would put on there. <laughs> And that's all I got. I'm done. Uh, Final PSA, don't put vitamin C in a Celsius Celsius. drink. That's just a a hot tip from Indy that we'll bring to Southern California. For Money, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly, podcast number four of the week. 